0: How's how's everyone doing? So a couple observations. Um, One, this is really weird to stare at myself in a screen. Two, when Coach Bird said have a seat, it sounded like an elephant sitting down. No offense. Um, Three, Tucker is a terrible homeschool candidate I've learned this week. I actually tried to put him in a lion costume that someone got him for Christmas. And that went over like a lead balloon. Um, And I miss you guys. So I'm going to open in prayer. Um, I know Coach Bird just did that. but I've got a friend who's your age who's having a 12-hour brain surgery today. Uh, Some of you may know of her, Malia. But I just want to pray and ask God to guide that surgery and to bless our time together. So pray with me. God, thank you for technology. Uh, Thank you for just your faithfulness to us. God, as Coach prayed earlier and as we sang that song, um, God, you have been a good, good shepherd to us, even when we fail to recognize it. And um, God, thank you for just all the ways that you take care of us. And God, we do pray for Malia today. We pray that um, you would guide the surgeon's hands as they operate. And God, we trust you. We pray for complete healing and for a miracle. And um, God, I pray that you would speak to all of us today, myself included. God, that you would challenge us and uh, that you would engrave your word on our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Last week, we talked about apathy and what apathy is. And apathy is kind of this general attitude of, I don't care. I don't care about anything. And one of the roots of apathy is insignificance not given to God. We all at some point feel insignificant as though we don't measure up. And so the issue is not that you feel insignificant. It becomes an issue when you don't trust God with that insignificance. Because then when that happens, then bad things happen. And today, um, we are taking a look at the negative side of what could happen. Um, When you and I feel insignificant, we can overcompensate. How many of you know what overcompensate is? Tough crowd today, Tucker. Okay. Uh, so I have a story. Um, I grew up the youngest of seven, and it was a nightly tradition that every night after dinner and after chores and after homework, we would go out back and play basketball. And I had four older brothers, and basketball in Indiana was a thing, okay? And so we would play, and when I was eight, I entered this competition. It was a skills and drills basketball competition, and I did really well. Um, but before I did that, I played in the little league and I did some digging today in my garage and I found this. Yeah, this was from 1989. Can you believe I was that tiny when I was eight years old to wear this? Now, what's special about this shirt is we were the gumballs. That's right. And not only were we the gumballs, but we had six high school players who were our coaches. It was awesome. Awesome, because we all looked up to them. And in 1989, my little league team won the championship. And so it just fueled this dream and this desire for me to be the first female player in the NBA. Michael Jordan was my hero, Scottie Pippen, all the greats, okay? And so uh, basically, I I started focusing on basketball. And when I was 11, I went to state. And I found this bad boy today uh, when I got third place in state. Now, all of that to say, I was at the prime of my career as an 11-year-old until Harold's birthday party. And at Harold's birthday party, he had one of those big trampolines. And I've never been a flexible person. As a matter of fact, the local gymnastics gym wouldn't allow me to join because I couldn't do a somersault unassisted, which is kind of the point of joining a gymnastics gym. But that's besides the point. So at Harold's birthday party, I'm jumping on the trampoline and I land funny and I hurt myself and it felt like just a pulled hamstring. But in the end, after a month of walking around on it, the doctor said, oh no, you've actually dislocated your hip and it's a good thing you came in because one of your legs was about to be shorter than the other. And so the answer was surgery. So the ball of my hip socket is like here. And when I was eight, it had slipped out of place. So what they did was they went in and they put in these really long screws until my bones solidified, um, preventing any further complications. So I couldn't walk for a year, and I slept in a recliner for a really long time, and I went back to the doctor ready to tackle my basketball career, right? But the problem is, when I went back, the doctor said, Tara, I'm so sorry, but you've overcompensated you've actually dislocated your other hip from overusing it. And I was devastated. So over the course of two years, I couldn't walk. I was on crutches or in a wheelchair, and I had three major hip surgeries. Overcompensating is a bad thing. Overcompensating is when you, like, use something too much to counter a deficit or a weakness of some sort. In today's scripture, we're going to look at Numbers chapter 20. So turn there if you've got your Bible. I'm going to read the first 13 verses. In the people of Israel, the whole congregation came into the wilderness of Zin in the first month, and the people stayed in Kadesh. And Miriam died there and was buried there. Now there was no water for the congregation. And they assembled themselves together against Moses and against Aaron. And the people quarreled with Moses and said, Would that we had perished when our brothers perished before the Lord. Why have you brought the assembly of the Lord into this wilderness, that we should die here, both we and our cattle? And why have you made us come up out of Egypt to bring us to this evil place?" It is no place for grain or figs or vines or pomegranates, and there is no water to drink. Then Moses and Aaron went from the presence of the assembly to the entrance of the tent of meeting and fell on their faces, and the glory of the Lord appeared to them. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Take the staff and assemble the congregation, you and Aaron, your brother. And tell the rock before their eyes to yield its water. So you shall bring water out of the rock for them, and give drink to the congregation and their cattle. And Moses took the staff from before the Lord as he commanded them, as he commanded him. Verse 10. Then Moses and Aaron gathered the assembly together before the rock. And he said to them, Hear now, you rebels, shall we bring water for you out of this rock? And Moses lifted up his hand and struck the rock with his staff twice, and water came out abundantly, and the congregation drank and their livestock. And the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, Because you did not believe in me, to uphold me as holy in the eyes of the people of Israel, therefore you shall not bring this assembly into the land that I have given them. These are the waters of Meribah, where the people of Israel quarreled with the Lord, And through them, he showed himself holy. So here's the setup. The Israelites, under the leadership of Moses and Aaron, have been wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. Does anyone remember how long that road trip should have taken to the promised land? Tough crowd. 14 days. 14 days. A 14-day road trip by foot took the Israelites 40 years. And it was because of their stubbornness, and their grumbling, and their complaining, and their lack of belief. And so here they end up in the wilderness, the desert of Zen. There's no water, there's no 7-Eleven Slurpee slushes, there's no Chick-fil-A. Times are desperate, alright? And there's no water. You can go without food a while, but you've got to have water. And not only do you need water, but your livestock needs water. And so the people are grumpy, they're hangry, they're complaining. They're like, look, Moses and Aaron, did you just bring us out here to die? We would have been better off dead back there with our family. So Moses and Aaron, being the leaders that they are, they go and they pray before God. And God gives them specific, clear instructions. And Moses, in his anger, disobeys. And so the problem is this Moses and Aaron don't trust God, they don't honor him as holy, and they acted in pride. In other words, they overcompensated. Moses took matters into his own hands. What did God tell Moses to do with the rock? What's that? No, did God tell Moses to strike the rock twice? No, No, he didn't. He did not tell Moses to strike the rock twice. As a matter of fact, in verse 8, it says, Take the staff and assemble the congregation, you and Aaron, your brother, and tell the rock before their eyes to yield its water. So you shall bring water out of the rock for them and give drink to the congregation and their cattle. He said, take the staff. He didn't say hit the hit the rock. He didn't say use the staff to bring water out of the rock. He simply said, take your staff, go to the rock, and tell the rock to yield its water. So Moses and Aaron didn't trust God. They didn't honor God as holy, and they acted in their pride. Now, God has punishment for Moses and Aaron. God actually tells them that they will not see the promised land after all. Could you imagine driving to Florida today to go to Disney World? You've never been. You're super excited. And then you get there and your parents are like, nah, fam, we're not going. We're turning around. Your attitude stinks. (laughs) That would be crazy, right? That would be disappointing. That's just a few-hour drive. This is a 40-year a drive to the promised land. Could you imagine being Moses and Aaron and being denied the opportunity to enter the promised land? Yes, God is gracious. Yes, God forgives us. Yes, God has mercy. But there are consequences for our choices. We know that, right? As young people and as adults, Just because there's a consequence for your poor choice doesn't mean that you haven't been forgiven, okay? And so here's our takeaway today. Number one, our trust in God should grow as we walk with him. If you um, are a child of God, if you are a Christian and have acknowledged Jesus as your Lord and Savior, your trust in him should be greater today than it was on Monday. So do a self-check do a self-evaluation. Where's your trust with God at? If you were to put a percentage at it, if you're struggling to trust God, or if your trust isn't growing, could I offer that maybe the disconnect is on your end and not on his end? After all, God always keeps his word, yes? Yes. God is always available. He he's always he he actively wants to be a part of our lives. He he's not a lightning bolt zapper. He's a good father who longs to have a relationship with you and with I. But so often we miss it cuz we're not plugging into the right sources, right? How many of us have said, "Oh, I don't have time to read my Bible." Or, "I don't have time to pray," right? Myself included. We have time. Time is the great equalizer. Time is the one thing That regardless of where you live, what side of the street you live on, what kind of car you drive or don't drive, how much money is in your account or not, who your parents are or who they're not, how many languages you know or don't know, time is the great equalizer. We all have 24 hours in a day. And so it's not that we don't have time. It's that we choose how to spend our time. We're intentional with what matters most to us. So our trust in God should grow as we walk with Him. Number two, we must honor God as holy. Self-significance and insignificance don't allow for this. Here's what I mean. If you live with a mindset that I'm trash and I'm not good enough and I'll never be able to do anything and nobody loves me, nobody cares about me, I'm just a screw-up, that, that's feelings of insignificance. That doesn't honor God as holy because what does God's word said? God made mankind in his image and everything he made is good. That means that regardless of how you or I feel about ourselves or what we think about ourselves or even if nobody else sees it, I am good because God made me. He made me in his image. God is not like man that he should lie. So our feelings of insignificance don't allow space for God to be honored as holy. When you actually talk trash about yourself, you're talking trash about God. Uh, When when God told Moses to go before Pharaoh to set his people free, Moses gave a million excuses, right? And finally he says, okay, I'm going to go, but who should I say sent me? And God told Moses, I am that I am. I am was a name of a holy God before it was a label that you used to create yourself. So when you and I say things like, I am fat, I am stupid, I am ugly, I am not lovable, you're actually saying that about God. And I don't know about you, but a God who is big enough and powerful enough and strong enough to make water come out of a rock, I certainly don't want to be uh, misaccusing with foolish talk. So how does self-significance or overcompensation not allow room for God to be holy? Because the opposite is this. On on one end of the spectrum, you have, I'm trash. I'm not good enough. I'll never be anything, right? And on the other end of the spectrum, you overcompensate, right? And you say, man, I've got this. I'm all that. You're puffed up with pride. And we see what happens when we're puffed up with pride and act on that. Moses and Aaron acted with pride. And so if you're walking around overcompensating, instead of giving your feelings of insignificance to God, if you're walking around puffed up saying, I'm all that and a bag of chips, well, all of a sudden you're taking the place of God. You've made yourself a little G, little God. And there is only room for one God. That is God Almighty. Only he deserves the praise and the honor and the recognition The goal of our lives as Christians is to put Him on display. So if we're taking up all the space, we can't honor God as holy. The third thing is this we must obey God. Not when we feel like it, not if it's convenient, not if it feels good, not if others are cheering us on or saying thank you. Our delight is to simply obey as children of God. Jesus told his disciples, it's not enough for you to say that you love me. If you love me, you'll do what I've asked you to do. Obedience is required for the child of God, for the one who claims to love God. Lip service is easy. Anyone can say anything these days, right? But it's our actions that always speak louder than words. And the last thing is this, even in our stumblings, Even in our failure, even in our sin, God still has mercy on us. It's interesting to note that in Deuteronomy 34, God ended up showing Moses the promised land. He took him on a mountain and said, see, this is where my people are going. Now, he didn't allow Moses to enter the promised land because shortly thereafter, Moses died. But God showed Moses the promised land and God continued to use Moses to lead his people. You and I could never earn God's love. We don't deserve to be His children. We we don't deserve, we, we couldn't do enough right to be used by Him. But in His mercy and grace, God chooses to use each of us, those of us who are available. And that's the kindness of God. That's the mercy of God. And so I want to challenge each of you today To consider, where is your heart? Where are your feelings? Feelings are real, but they rarely speak truth. Truth and reality are sometimes two different things. You can feel like nobody loves you, but the truth is there are many who love you. Myself included, your teachers, your coaches, your principals and administrators. You could feel like God doesn't have a plan for you. But that goes against what scripture says. God has a plan and a purpose for each one of us. You're not the result of two planets colliding or some cosmic collision or blow up explosion. It says that before you were knit together in your mother's womb, that you were a thought and a dream of God's. That's pretty special. That's pretty special. But you have to trust God in a process. You have to allow him to be God. Some of us get in a way of God being God in our lives because we think we've got it under control and we don't need him. I promise you, you need God. And some of us miss the moment with God because we're walking around like trash, stinking thinking. So where are your hearts? Where are your thoughts about who you are? Do you want to be like Moses and Aaron who missed the promised land? Are you willing to trust God with whatever he asks of you, especially when it doesn't make sense? Most of the time, whatever God asks you to do actually won't make sense because we have these tiny little raisin brains, right? And they're limited, but God is all knowing and, and and he can see all and he knows all And his kingdom is a backwards kingdom. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense to love people that are rude to us. It doesn't make sense if someone takes something from us to give them our coat. It doesn't make sense when when someone slaps us across the face in dishonor to turn the other cheek. It doesn't make sense to offer your life as a sacrifice to be a blessing to others and to serve others. But like we talked about last week with the little boy in a sack lunch, God does the really big stuff and the impossible stuff and the miraculous stuff through everyday people like you. And that's incredible. So don't miss that. Let me close in prayer. God, thank you for your word. Um, Thank you for a reminder about who you are and who we're not. And God, I thank you for these young people. Uh, They're so incredible. They have so much to to offer the world in which we live. And and God, I know that you love them so much. And I thank you for um, just the talents and skills you've given them. God, they're such gifted young people, athletically, academically, artistically, musically. God, I pray that you would give them eyes to see themselves as you see them. But God, I do pray that you would protect them from pride. God, for those in this room who who struggle with trusting you, God, I pray that um, you would help their unbelief. God, that you would increase their capacity to trust you. Thank you for all the times that you've been faithful, God. All the times that we've missed it when you were protecting us and, and looking out for us and providing for us. God, thank you um, that you've always been a God of your word. God, help us to live by faith and not by feeling. God, help us to be obedient to you. God, help us to be available to you, to be used by you. I pray that you'd give each one of these uh, young people an opportunity today, God, to be a blessing to someone else, to be an encouragement to someone else. God, that you would use their lives um, to make much about yourself. God, I pray that um, you would bless Cornerstone, that you would bless the the families uh, represented there, God. That you would bless our leadership with wisdom and discernment as they make decisions. and God, help us not to waste our lives stuck on ourselves. God, help us not to waste our lives just surviving or getting through another day. But God, help us to live lives that are intentional. Intentional about knowing you and loving you and trusting you and intentional about serving you. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Hope you guys have a great day.